It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to the Game Podcast from The Times. I'm Gabriel Marcotti, and I thank you for joining us for what I believe is our last regular podcast of the season. Now, we will be having podcasts throughout the World Cup. I will not be hosting them because, obviously, I will be in Russia. And a week from Thursday, we're going to have a special World Cup preview edition where I will be there, but as a pundit. Somebody else will be hosting it. Uh, that name to be revealed later. Uh, and so for all of those who are like, Gab, you're such a bully when you host it. Well, why don't you let Scoey talk more? Stop interrupting people, blah, blah, blah. You'd be better as a pundit. Well, yeah, you'll get to experience me as a pundit. And you can tell me if you like that better or not. In the studio with me today, it's former Leicester City, Crystal Palace, England under 21 striker, James Scowcroft. And... And Coventry, who have a big game today. And Coventry, yeah, yeah. Then you also play for Ipswich too. There I you did, go. Yeah, I mean, Ipswich go, go, go all your Coventry, I'm taking forty thousand fans to Wembley. So hopefully, when you're at this, they will be promoted. Down the line, we have the football correspondent for the Sunday Times. It's Jonathan Northcroft, who I last was hanging with in Kiev in a bar around five o'clock uh, in the morning uh, on uh, on Sunday. So I'm glad he made it back. Okay, Jonathan. Yeah, back okay, but still feel slightly in midair, if you know what I mean. I think we all do. Later on, we're going to be issuing our report cards for every Premier League team this season. Remember, we did the midterm reports, and these are going to be the final grades. Plus, we're going to be discussing the fact that Arsenal have a new manager. Yes, welcome, Unai Emery. But of course, obviously, there's only one place to start, and that's in Kiev with the Champions League final. Johnny, I'm going to uh, start with you because I think probably more than than any final um, in in recent years, certainly of the ones I've been to, and I've been to a lot, uh, I think this one was decided by by individuals uh, rather than the collective, both for, for, for good, um, Gareth Bale, and obviously um, for bad, Loris Karius, and, you know, sometimes for... Happenstance and injury, Mohamed Salah. Uh, let's start with with Salah. Uh, it's half an hour in. Liverpool have played really, really well to that stage. There's a clash with a coming together, I think is a term referees like to use, with Sergio Ramos. He falls on his shoulder, and he tries to continue for a minute or so, but then it emerges he can't. Now, the latest, and this is a situation that, that's clearly evolving, it does appear like he will make the World Cup, uh, which is a positive. If Salah had stayed on the pitch, would Liverpool's chances of winning this game have increased substantially? Oh, yeah, hugely. I mean, it, it, it's it's just something we'll never know, isn't it? But, but the first 25 minutes, all the, the things that you thought Liverpool might be able to to do offensively were, 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 were kind of coming true. You know, they were... I mean, the, 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 the pressing was brilliant. They were targeting Casemiro in particular and getting a lot of joy from... From him also, Carvajal was, I think they sensed, you know, he was carrying an injury in the final. He wasn't quite himself. And I think they sensed weakness there. They were they were turning the ball over when when, when he had it. And and then Salah was, was, was escaping into that space behind Marcello. And Marcello, one of my favourite Real Madrid players, I think he's brilliant. Um, but he, I, th- I thought he was very inhibited while Salah was on the pitch because he, he didn't, 
play his normal attacking game. He didn't seem to know whether he should be pushing up, and, and yet he still wasn't really policing Salah properly. So you could see where Liverpool's game plan lay. You could see where the, the joy might be for them. Um, I mean, they didn't score in that period, and, and I think we all knew before the game that Liverpool would try one of these blitz, blitzkrieg starts that they do under Klopp, and, and when they do that, they, they tend to, to score a couple and then... You know the rest of the game follows the the, the, the sort of the pattern of of, of them, um, you know, trying to trying to maybe protect it and, and score another on the counter. So that was always going to be their thing. So I think there was lots of there was lots of encouragement for Liverpool, but the caveat is they hadn't scored. What we don't know is whether they'd blown themselves out energetically a little bit, and and Real might have already weathered the storm and then could have taken control anyway, or whether the pattern would have continued. And, you know, maybe like as against Roma in that first game, they could have scored 10 minutes from half time and, and opened the floodgates then. So we're just not going to know. In terms of the dynamic of the incident itself, um, was there malice on Ramos's part? Do, can you go and say, I blame Ramos for injuring Mohamed Salah? Because there is a petition out there, which as of last night would gone past the 200,000. I mean, I know any Wally can put up a... a, a, a a petition and who knows how many of those people are bots or whatever who sign it. But there's a petition asking for some kind of mega retrospective punishment against uh, against Sergio Ramos. What was your take? Was there, can, can you blame this on uh, I, Ramos? I, I think Ramos obviously is an experienced player, he knows what he's doing, he knows that he has to get tight to Salah if you let him come off you and have two or three yards and he gets a run and, and especially he can go both ways. So he's he's got tight to him, you know, literally, you know, grabbed him. But he's grabbed one arm, but he actually injures the other arm. This is what I don't sort of, it's not the arm that he's tugged that he actually well, injures. He gets injured falling. He doesn't well, get, you know, he didn't get injured from, from the tug to so, the arm. So do you think, well, if I hold this arm here, you're going to, in three seconds time, fall over and dislocate your shoulder and then you I think it's sour grapes. I think it's very, very harsh to to single out Ramos in that occasion and say you've deliberately done this and you know ruined the game and, and killed Liverpool off. I, I just don't buy into that at all. I, I spoke to I spoke to another like James former professional about this, and and I think the phrase he used was it was within the bounds of what's acceptable. And I think I guess that's what it was. It was I, I think it was opportunist. I don't think Ramos planned. As James said, that oh, I'm going to I'm going to dislocate his shoulder now. I think he, when they locked arms, he saw the opportunity. Salah was off balance, was falling, and if you look at the replay, he just gives him a tug to help him on his way, just to make sure he lands heavily. Because to me, I, it was it was to make sure that he goes down. In other words, that because you know he looks off balance yeah. and he's falling, but you know Salah, these guys, guys are such athletes that maybe he could retain his balance and get away. But what he's done, he's been clever because no. he's got his arm. Sorry, John, he's got his arm by his yeah. side, so it's you can obviously see it clearly on TV. But there's nothing outstretched where it looks like he's grabbing him. So because he's locked him, mm. it almost from from a distance, a referee, well, who's who's sort of holding who here? So I, I just think it's a player who's very very experienced and knows what he's doing. Uh, yeah, well, I, I, and I thought it was a bit like leaving your foot in, in a tackle where you know that it's acceptable, the tackle's fine, you're entitled to go for it, but you know that if you leave it in, it's just going to create a little bit of pain. And I just thought, he thought, you know, I'll just give him a, bit of a bit more of a tug just to make sure he, he falls heavily. I think I think one of the problems for people is his reaction. You know, he's seen laughing with the linesman, and that plays up to the evil villain aspect but you know we, we, should, we should be judging him on on, on the instant really and not not a sort of social media clip of him smiling shouldn't we he's a winner so all this petition and this nonsense is just that it's well, it's, 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 it's sour you, grapes so if harry Maguire, in a world cup final this hypothetical playing argentina and it's a one-on-one and he pulls down higuain for example and he thought are we going to have a petition in this country of over two hundred thousand signatures two days later after england won the world cup Maybe from the Scots and Welshmen in this country, but probably not many others. No, I, I, I would, I would tend to agree with you. You know, I, he obviously pushes the rules. Nobody wants to see guys injuring other players intentionally, which Every I don't think. Every played for would die to have that kind of player in his uh, in his side. Who's a player like that that you played against? Martin Keown. Good, good one. Martin was like that. The other obviously big incident is Loris Carius to. I think two really big, big blunders. And and 
even on the veil overhead kick, um, he kind of makes it worse because he dives. So I, it's weird. I was talking to another goalkeeper and he, he said, you know, when that happens, you should know, don't, don't dive. There's no way you're getting to it. You should know instantly. And he dives late and it makes it worse because it looks like it's almost like behind him. But he said, nobody in their right mind who knows anything about goalkeeping can blame Karius one bit for the bail bicycle kick. The other two goals, on the other hand, ah, uh, wow. On the first one, he doesn't seem to see Benzema at all when he tries to roll the ball out to Dejan Lovren. And on the other one, Bale shoots from a million miles away. Doesn't even look to be that hard a shot. It's not like it was, you know, it's a howitzer. And he should easily collect it, and instead it kind of comes off his hands and ends up throwing it into his own net. But is I'll it? I'll give you a small example. As a centre forward, when you miss an open goal, the next two or three chances, if you get two or three chances in a game, trust me, you're very, very on edge. Your touch is very heavy. You're very likely to miss the next chance as well. That's what I found in my career. Well, it's it's interesting. I'm, I'm going to submit something to my ESPN colleague Shaka Hislop, who was he played goalkeeper, put out there. And I want to get your reaction to it, Johnny. He made the point that. Okay, so the first goal, he chalked up to the fact that maybe because of lack of experience, clearly Klopp had told them to, you know, play at a high tempo, keep the ball moving quickly and so on. He says that he was so focused on, again, getting the ball back in. You know, it was, it was, a, it was a very manageable situation. He collected the ball, and all he could think about was just squaring and rolling the ball over to Lovren quickly so that they could restart and, and and didn't notice Benzema. And equally on the third goal, he again, he said his body is in such a, he's not in, isn't in a position to, uh, um, to, to stop the ball. His body's actually in a position to where he's going forward. I think use the term straddle position where he's getting ready to go and put the ball back in play before he even catches it. And he says, and it's, it's just simply something that, you know, with more experience, when you know yourself better, you know the occasion better, you're not going to be affected by it. Does that seem plausible to you, Johnny? Yeah, it, it, I mean, it, it does. What that makes me think of is a conversation I had with Dejan Lovren about, you know, the mistakes he's made for, for Liverpool. And, and he explained that Klopp demands such a positive front foot game. So if, when you t- if you take the defenders, he's always asking them, to, to be as high as possible, and he's always asking them to to be at, you know proactive, gamble and win the ball. So Lovren's made mistakes this season, as against Manchester United, by almost you know taking huge gambles to try and win balls and 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 missing them and and and, and being exposed that way. So I think there's an element of that with Carrius that it's that positive game that they're being encouraged to play. But that said, you know there's the different ways you can explain it. it it's just. It comes down to losing focus in a split second and it comes down to mistakes that are just so unacceptable for goalkeepers that, that however you try and rationalise them, however sorry we feel for Carrius, the, the, the simple fact is that that cannot happen. That cannot happen, especially the first goal. It cannot happen and it cannot happen in a game like that. Sad to say it, but but that is the fail right there. That's the There's, there's, there's no hiding place. For, for Karius from that and there's no hiding place I guess for, for Klopp because it was his selection um, from a long way out that, that, that this was going to be his, his number one. So in some ways you're putting some of the responsibility of this on Klopp not just obviously Definitely. for signing Karius and name number one but well, also creating that environment which encourages risk taking and yeah, which might I mean, have facilitated this. I don't mind on the front, I don't mind the risk taking because that's you get the benefit. There's the reward that that he gets from overall from having that game. I think where I would blame Klopp is that he's created he created a very unusual situation with the the goalkeepers. You know, he, he signed Carius, who became understudy to Mignolet, and then he became number one, and then he was dropped. He went back to being understudy, and then he went back to being number one over quite a short period of time you know, 18 months, 24 months, whatever. And it, the only comparison I could think of, and it's been, it's he did a piece in, in one rival newspaper today, is, is Robert Green in the 2010 World Cup, when 
Fabio couldn't decide who his number one was going to be in the build-up to the tournament. He, he swapped between David James and, and Rob Green. He went with Rob Green in the World Cup. And, it, you know, I just think those, the biggest occasions have a, have a way of finding out flaws. And, and it found out the flaw in England at that point, which was Rob Green wasn't either ready for being the number one, good enough for being number one, or too uncertain because he didn't feel he was being fully backed as number one. And he made that terrible mistake against the USA. And, and I think with Carrius, it all came to a head on, on Saturday night. Over-promoted, not ready for that game um, in his career. And, you know, maybe not 100% secure in his in his position. Um, and, and, and we saw what happened. It seems that he had a, he had a difficult start. But it seemed like he was coming through that in his in his Liverpool career. That he he may be showing signs of similar to what De Gea had. He had a real tough start to his Manchester United career, really. But he's now sort of fallen so far back. Now um, it's a long way for him to come and establish himself as as Liverpool's number one. If Liverpool are going to be successful in the next few years, they need a solid, very good goal. It's it's almost your number one position now. If you look how Pep's addressed it at Manchester City this year um, with Edison in goal. He's almost come through and, you know, had established himself. And I think Liverpool need to do that now. They've stuck by him. It's a huge decision for Klopp now. I, I want to I ask about something else that got a lot of attention. There was a lot of criticism for the fact that after his blunders, Karius wasn't comforted immediately by Liverpool players. And people said people had to go at Jordan Henderson, like you're the captain, you got to go pick your teammate up blah 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 it's interesting because I I saw this quote from uh, from Massimo Taibi who has obviously been there and uh, Scobie's not making a face but I know that I'm traumatizing him with bad memories um, and you know Taibi of course famously made two big blunders in, in, in two games for, for Manchester United he also played very well in a couple other games he didn't play very many games for United and people everybody seems to forget that but hey but he said you know what when you do something like that, you know that you've made a big mistake. And it all depends on your personality. To some people, having a teammate come over and say, you know, chin up, we'll get them, blah, 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 makes a huge difference. With other people, the best thing to do is to leave them alone because nobody wants to be patronized when they know that they've screwed up. Um, Johnny, my take is that Liverpool's teammates, and maybe I'm giving them an easy out here, they know Carius better than than I do, and certainly better than any of us know. They've certainly seen him screw up in the past, and they said, you know, let's just leave the big fella alone, and this is how he sorts and let him just sort it out, rather than going over and saying something to him because he knows that we're a team, and we have his trust, and he has our trust, and 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 whatever else. Is that the reading, or, or do you think that there is some sort of code of optics that says that they should have gone over and and and, and hugged it out? I, I, I think this is an entirely confected controversy, a social media controversy based on, on people looking at the footage and not really not being there, not understanding the realities of the situation. I think it's exactly that. I think they're giving the guy some space. And I think if you know Liverpool in any way, um, one of the impressive things about where they are at this point is that they haven't, I haven't seen such a unified, such a together squad at Liverpool in, in, in a long time of covering them, and, and a squad that doesn't have a particular hierarchy. Because in the past, there's always been a bit of a star system. At Liverpool, there's always been senior pros, there's always been people who's, who are maybe a little bit bigger in their profile than than others. And they are a pretty evenly kind of ranked bunch of lads who've got a very, you know, a captain that's not a superstar in Jordan Henderson. They are a, a close bunch, and... I don't think you can question their um, their I don't know, togetherness, their social aspect, uh, on the basis of looking at some pictures of them not not comforting Carius. I think they know him better than us, and Scoy. they need to give him space. Scoey, yeah, I think it's it's a good point. I think from my experiences, players that have made mistakes, and that's me included. Certainly, I haven't haven't experienced a Champions League final, but generally, it's, you sort of leave players alone, really, to you know, gather their own thoughts. I think, do you really want 15, 20 players going over to you and hugging you and putting you, you know, it's just showing the whole world and highlighting the mistakes you've made. 
And like Johnny goes, you do not know what happens behind the scenes. You know that I'm sure they would have had some kind of, I wouldn't call it a party, but a, a function afterwards where maybe, you know, the Hendersons and all that would have sat down with him and, and you know, spent a lot of time with him. I think those are the moments that matter a lot more. Word on Gareth Bale, he started on the bench a bit like Cardiff, except he covers it. He came on, uh, he came on earlier, came on around the hour mark. Unbelievable overhead kick. Uh, and then obviously then he had the other goal. But I want to ask you about it. He came out afterwards and almost unprompted, he says, well, you know, if I don't get enough playing time here, if I'm not playing on a regular basis, I'm going to have to consider uh, my future. Struck me as something like, is that really the time to say it? Do you need to tell the world that? You can go on social media the next day and say it or whatever. Do you blame him for this or should he just waited for a different time to say this and and if he does move do you think there's really a taker for him well I don't blame him it's kind of what make Real Madrid Real Madrid the rules are different there and you you need to look at Zidane's post-match press conference where you know, the guy's just won his third Champions League in a row he's just created history um, and he wasn't even asked about that he was asked about what about Cristiano what about Gareth Bale look at what he said you know it, 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 it's it's life at Real Madrid so You've got to see it within that context. Um, before Saturday, I thought, who's going to buy Gareth Bale? Not, not you know, he's brilliant, so I didn't think of that on the basis of ability. I just thought, he's too expensive. Um, you know, there's been injuries. He's now late 20s. Um, even if he wants to move, he might be kind of trapped because, you know, the wages are huge. The transfer food would be incredible. Um, I just can't see it happening. And also, the, you know, the, the likeliest return would be to England. The two clubs that could really afford in the Manchester clubs look, looked to be going in different directions. But I wonder if it's just changed now because of Saturday night. And I wonder if the change will be Manchester United because a couple of things. Edward Wood has always wanted to sign Gareth Bale. He's seen him from a long way off as... as you know, Ed loves the Galactico model, kind of wants Man United to be like that, and seeing Bale as that as a Galactico that would be perfect for us. Um, and that performance was a glint about of, of, of what Gareth Bale still got to offer in football. Um, and coming off the back of United's poor end to the season, I just wonder if the two things might come together. And although it doesn't make any sense in the context of already signing Alexis and. Um, spending all the money on attackers so far, I just, I just want. I'm not saying this on any, you know, inside knowledge of, of of transfer plans as of today, but I know that over the longer period, it's something Woodward's always wanted to do. So I just wonder if, if that's. Right. So Bale currently earns in excess of 400 grand a week. So should he come to United, he would be the highest paid player. Presumably, get it, he'd get another pay rise. It's a long term contract. It would be a big fee. Obviously, United even in an age of financial fair play, given their revenue, they can certainly spend money, certainly more freely, I think, than than City even, um, if they think it adds something. Does the prospect of a Bale, Lukaku, Alexis front line with Pogba in behind, um, does that stimulate you when you think that maybe this summer, maybe they can, you know, Mata will, will possibly move on, Martial, they can move on, you got Rashford and Lingard on the bench, is that... Does that get you excited? I think certainly three years ago, four years ago, Gareth Bale was as good as anybody there was out there. For for whatever reasons, it hasn't worked in the last two or three years at Madrid. And for this to be a constant substitution, there's something that doesn't add up. What I'd say about Manchester United, I don't think it's um, that far. They are desperate for a left-sided player. Desperate for, even though they've got Sanchez and everything, they are. I know for a fact that they're looking for a, a left-sided left-winger. I think it would be a good move and I think he's a kind of player that's got a point to prove, knows the Premier League, knows the demands and I think it would, at his age, he's got experience behind him now, he's played for the biggest club in the world, I think he'd come to the Premier League and I think he could have two or three very, very good seasons and if they were at Manchester United, fantastic. Love the game? Then don't miss The Game Daily. It's your lunchtime update from football's finest writers, and it's only at thetimes.co.uk. 
we have a new manager uh, at Arsenal, Unai Emery. Um, it's funny because it's been a week. This is not what we expected. Last week, we're all talking Arteta because it certainly looked that way. Johnny, I'm a, I'm a little bit confused here. They said that it was unanimous and it came after a thorough search. And certainly several outlets reported that Arteta withdrew because he wanted assurances over transfers. Is this sour grapes from Arteta? Who do you, who do you believe here? Are there Pinocchios on all sides, as, as is yeah. often the case in football? Yeah, yeah, I think that's it. I don't believe that this was the, the, the target that they had in mind from the moment that Arsene left. I think the other options on the table were, were, were we know about them, and I don't think Emery was was one of those at that time. Um, I think he's come late into it, and I think that a process that began with them promising to be bold ended predictably with with them going for a much safer option when push came to shove, and, and he was, Emery was right place at the right time to to, to capitalise and get the job because of that. Scoey, Johnny called it a, a safe choice there. Um... I think what you're getting with with Emery is somebody who achieved wonders, nothing short of wonders, both at Seville and at Valencia. And he did it in difficult situations. He did it with difficult interfering owners, especially at Valencia. He did it in situations where his best players were being sold every year. So it wasn't really, you can't really build a team, right? When you say, I'm going to build around this guy and then the guy is gone the next year and you got to kind of start over. And that really marked, and before that he'd done really well with limited resources at Lorca and, and Almeria. I wonder, is that guy, and I wonder where Arsenal are. I wonder if Arsenal are that sort of club where you have to scrap to, to, to some degree the way Valencia and Sevilla did, and you know, he did win three Europa League titles, or if they're a PSG-type club, or, or, or at least in that mold, where you can hang on to your best players year after year, um, there's still interference from above. There's still big egos. And in those situations, the fact is he did not win the title in his first season. He won a ton of domestic silverware. And then obviously, despite, I thought, performing well at times against both Barcelona and Real Madrid, you know, the fact of the matter is he went out of European competition. How do you see it? I think it's an excellent appointment. I think if you look at him as, as a manager... Like you say, the success he's had has been fantastic. So he's got experience of winning trophies. He's got experience of of building sides, losing players and rebuilding, which I think Arsenal is a, a rebuilding job at the moment. But I also think the PSG experience will will be just as valuable for him as well because that's a difficult club to... to it's not an easy club because you are buying players, you are building a, a squad for one competition for one or two games per season where you are judged and I think that's a very difficult one and you have to handle players like Neymar and, and these guys which are some of the hardest, most demanding players when an owner says, oh by the way we're just about to smash all records in the transfer, okay, okay, right I'll have to handle that. You know, he, he's a good age and I think it's a perfect fit. I think he's, he's a very good choice for manager for Arsenal. Johnny, it, it, it does seem that on the back of what Scully, um said was broadly agree with the Arsenal job there's there's a ton less pressure than there is at Paris Saint-Germain or even or even at Valencia frankly because if there's one thing that we know about well a there's generally less pressure in the Premier League to begin with apart from certain situations and at certain clubs b this is a fan base that you know for many years sat on its hands or or was happy with Arsene Wenger uh, and that you know other than the folks in Arsenal fan tv they don't act up. They're not going to show up at the training ground to intimidate you. They're going to smash windows on your car. They are what they are. It's a better place to work in that sense. The bar is low. There don't seem to be any big problematic egos. Maybe Aubameyang, based on what we've seen in the past, but he seems to be happy just to be in the Premier League right now. Ideal working conditions, right? Yeah. One of the things I like about the appointment as well is that um, they spent all this They've put this energy into creating a structure, a new Arsenal structure, you know, that's, that's much more collegiate, based around different people running different departments, having input into, into you know, the, the end outcome. It's a, a kind of de facto director of football with a powerful chief scout with, with a chief exec, Gazidis, who seems to want to play a bigger part in the, in the football operation now. And they found a coach that can really work within that structure and, and isn't going to 
come in and and and, and you know demand power straight away, which I think is one of the led to believe the problems with Arteta. So I like all that. You're right about the conditions. I don't think the I think it's a red herring to say that he failed to control Neymar, so he can't control the Arsenal dressing room. There is no Neymar at all in in that dressing room. Aubameyang, I think. Actually, from what I understand from Dortmund, you know, we're not talking about a, a, a big flamboyant ego. You know, maybe we're just talking about a guy that turns up to, late to training sometimes, and you've got to be careful that way. Maybe I'm living in the past. Maybe Arsenal are ahead of me in the thinking that they recognise that what they are at this point is a number six club that needs to move up the pecking order. And if if that if that's how it is, that's a great appointment. If if I guess I'm still thinking of Arsenal as a team that needs to start challenging for league titles. Um, and I'm just not sure if Henry's the guy that's going to take them there. We can go through this quickly because I didn't watch the game and I only watched highlights and I didn't watch them all season. So, sorry, championship. But Fulham have overcome Aston Villa and they will be joining us in the Premier League. Scoey, you're something of a championship god. What do we expect? What's What are the prospects beyond Ryan Sessegnon? Um, well, they've got some very good players, actually, uh, more than Sessegnon. If Sessegnon stays, that is, uh, of course, because I'm sure he's uh, in demand for his age and his, you know, his goals he scored from, from full-back last year. I think it's a club that is well-adapt to, to coming into the Premier League. I know it's what was it four seasons they've been, they've been out in the Premier League, but I think the structure behind the club, the manager certainly is, is very, very good. The football they play, the players they've got, I think they'll come into the Premier League and I think they'll hold their own, no problem at all. And they have money. I mean, they, they're, they're bigger than individuals. I think even if they lost Sessegnon, they're well set up. They've got a really good manager who deserves to be in the Premier. He's obviously denied it with, with Watford when he took them up. You've got Tom Kearney, a bit of a you know, Scottish hope for someone something to uh, fasten on to, apart from Sessegnon, beautiful left foot. Decent players, but a, a really good style of football as well. The Maybe right back, like a, Fredericks, is a good player as well. Johnny mm-hmm. Stephanie Hansen's decent. Yeah, good youth as well with Hugh Jennings. Maybe a bit more like a Bournemouth in, in terms of style of the team coming up, and they tend to do quite well. You know, when it's when it's a, 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 something that you can take forward, and they don't have to go and sign another twenty players and start again in the Premier League. What about my man Mitrovic? Good question because I think he was a sort of the the player that they needed to. They've always played good football, but they needed that bit of punch to their attack that. You know, strong, sort of aggressive player down the middle. They've got him. Certainly, if they'd want him, I don't think they'd have too much problem getting him. So maybe as a point to prove as well. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss let's go on to our premier league report cards now you've been given instructions i hope that you prepared uh you're all prepared for this i'm going to remind you of the grades a means far exceeding expectations b means above expectations c meeting expectations d subpar and f is fail, okay? We're going to start from the bottom and work our way up. I don't know that there's much to debate unless we have a strong difference of opinion. We will all submit our grades, and then I will create an average of the three. So let's start at the very bottom. And remember, we're looking at the entire season, 
not just how well Darren Moore has done and how much we like Darren Moore, but just in terms of how the club was run that season. John, let's start with you. West Bromwich Albion. Yeah, Gav, just, just to get the parameters, just want to make doubly sure of this. We are taking in the whole season, not just Premier League performance. Yeah? Absolutely, the entire season cool. and also the way the club has behaved off the pitch and so on. Cool. Well, West Brom have to be a fail, sadly. The, the, Despite the yeah, despite that, that's an F. That's a flat yeah. F. Flat F to the owners. Flat F to the guy who loses his uh, mobile phone and his wallet. All this nonsense. Scoey, are you also straight F? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. That that makes it very easy. Stoke. Scoey. F. Fail. Get relegated. Fail. <laughs> okay. Uh, Johnny. Yeah. Can't 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 go past F. Yeah, especially the way things seem to get worse and weren't, in my opinion, properly addressed. Um, I'm going to give him be a little kind of give him a D, but that's still an F. Swansea, Johnny. Oh yeah, I mean, I think it's again it has to be an F. Um, the periods where it was better than that, but I think this season went the same way as Renato Sanchez's, didn't it? Yeah, I'm going to go. Again, I'm going to be a little bit kinder here. Um, I'm going to give them a D. I think they did kind of turn it around. They maybe made some mistakes sooner. I think they were also unfortunate in certain situations. Renato Sanchez is is what he is. Uh, Scoey? File. Oh, also F. Okay, great. Southampton. This is where it gets a little more interesting, a little more nuanced. Johnny? Yeah, I, I, I think, the, I, I, again, I was looking at an F because of, of Southampton's kind of expectations. But really, I'm going to give them a D because they finished the season looking like they've got something to build on for next season. Maybe the right manager to take them forward next season. Yeah, I'm going to go D as well, subpar. I certainly expected them to, to do better. I expected Pellegrino to, to stick around um, a, a little more and make more of an impact. So... I'm going to give him a D. Scoey? File. Mm. Wouldn't want to be in Professor Scoey's class. Well, no, that's fine. If you, if you look at okay, well, this is average the team, the squad, the, the setup, the dynamics of the club, you look at their wage bill, the yeah. wage bill's in the top 10. To scrap and just, just stay up, I think that's a fail. I don't think that's subpar. I think it's a fail. Huddersfield Town. Johnny? I almost gave them an A to be honest, but I, I give them a B. Above expectations, I thought they would go down by far the, the well, I don't want to use the word worst, by, by far the, the least gifted squad in, in, in the division. Um, so just to survive and, and had some thrilling days like against Man United on the way. So a B, almost an A. Scoy? B. Listen, far exceeding expectations. No, no, no. B, no B. They're so. above B, expectations. Ex- we expected them yeah. to go down or be close. Instead, it was relatively and safe. And they got over the line. To be fair, they did, after playing some very swashbuckling football early, they did sort of park the entire sort of Huddersfield Transit Authority bus system in their final games. But you know what? They, that's uh-huh. the, that's what was... Fighting for their life, they should have played that's expensive what was football, shouldn't they? Especially going to Chelsea. And, well, then uh, why uh, play? Well, why play it in the first place? You know, you know why? Terrible. Why, no, but why play it in the first place? Right? I mean, and whatever. Yeah. They right. They were pragmatic at the end, and they were proved right. Brighton and Hove Albion. Scoey. Gonna go see. Really? This is what you expected of them. In this yeah, season. I think. All right. It's a club that's spent money. Okay, I'm gonna. I'm, I think you're wrong because they signed Pascal Gross who's a very good player. I'm going to go B. Johnny? Yeah, I'd agree with that, Gab. Yeah, B. Um, spent money, but spent it really well. You know, I mean, that's part of the season, isn't it? Matt Ryan yeah. is a very good goalkeeper. Can I let you two explain yourselves here? Can I, I think I need to explain myself here. I wouldn't say Brighton staying up for 50 is above expectation. I, I, I would, I think if you're Brighton, you think, be good if we're in this position next year. I think staying up, you'd think it would be. There's seven points clear of relegation. They, 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 the players that they added, several of them yeah, turned out that, to be hits and made yeah, a big difference. That's what I'm difference. saying. They've met so, expectation. Well, I think that they're above expectations for me. So, and we're the majority. So, you, so they get a B. Watford, Scoey, D. 
subpar. Um, Johnny? Harsh. Oh, they, they had part of the season they were challenging for the, the top six or seven. Part of the season they were threatened with relegation. They changed their manager. That's exactly what you'd expect from a Watford season. See? Yeah, I'm going to go with that, see as well. And let's not forget also the business with the manager. The way they were able to kind of metabolize that and not get knocked mm. off their stride for too long. They, different rules. They, they work to different rules, Watford, don't they? I think it's a really well-run club in many ways. West Ham United, Scoey. I'd say C. Okay. I'm going to go D yeah, because of the embarrassment that the unholy trinity provides because of the signings they made, because of the absurd way the club was run. And, and then because, I mean... It's West Ham, though, isn't it? That's, that's norm. I don't know. The, the West Ham deserve better. I'm going to go D. I'm going to go D as well. All those reasons, you know, they're no closer, in fact, they're further away from their pretension of, of, of becoming some kind of force in, in, in the stadium, blah, blah, blah. They're starting again. They need to completely revamp that squad. They, you know, they, yeah, yeah, D. Bournemouth. Scoey. C. Really? Yeah, I think if you... You think this is what you expect of Bournemouth? To... Yeah, I, th- I think they're, you'd be disappointed if, if they got relegated. I think they're... Okay, transfer-wise, why, um, they probably don't spend the money that some teams do, but, you know, if you look closely into it, the deals that they're given Jermaine Defoe, and, you know, they do spend money in other ways. And I think finishing 12, just over 40 points, is probably norm for them. I expected them to either get relegated or be in a relegation scrap. The fact that they weren't means that I'm giving them a B. Johnny? Yeah, I, I'm going to go with Scoey, but I, I could there'd be a case for a, a, a B- minus or a C plus. With about six or seven games to go, they were certainly looking like a B, but, but they you know, didn't quite push on in the, at the end. Um, I, I, I guess it's a compliment to them. I don't expect them to, to get relegated at all. So I don't see surviving as the achievement that maybe, maybe I should, but anyway, see. Palace, Scoey. See, I think if you look now, they're established. If you look at their squad, they've invested heavily in their squad as well. Their wage bill is quite high. To finish 11th, there's an argument that you could say, well, I didn't have any points after uh, seven games and Royalton was manager of the season, but I think overall the bigger picture is... Well, they did appoint an umpty to begin with, so, you know. Johnny? Well... Seven games that he's scored a goal. First seven games are an F. To then survive comfortably is an A, but to give them a C, I think. Yeah, I'll go with that. Newcastle United. I'm going to go B. B? Okay. I'm going to go A because this is not a good squad, and I think it was a yeoman effort by everybody. And rough as your mate. No, he's not as rough as my mate, but I mean, I think he did a great job, but. I mean, look at these players. Johnny? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've only given one A and it's not them. So I, I thought about it for them for exactly those reasons. It, it, it's a poor squad, there's political problems, and, and they, they hit 10th, which is, which is brilliant. But I want to keep A, you know, for, for All right. spectacular, and it's not spectacular. So this will average out to a B-plus for them then. Uh, Leicester City, your old club, Scoey. Going to go C. I think if you look at Leicester now, it's, it's a difficult one with Leicester, isn't it? Because they won the, the league three seasons ago. For me, it's a club that's trying to sort of find their identity. Are, are we amongst the, the the pack where we're just trying to uh, survive and get to 40, maybe 50 points if we're lucky? Or, no, 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 we won the league a couple of years, we're trying to kick on. And So I think overall, if you look at the spectrum of how high they actually could finish, maximum's probably only seventh and they finished nine, so it's C. Okay. I'm on board with that. Johnny? Yeah, I'm on board. Um, I think, as Scurry says, Leicester have kind of got to rationalise where they are at the moment and they've got to accept maybe that, that, that this is a pretty decent sort of par season. But there's, there's angst because of what's gone before that maybe things should be better, more entertaining. But, but for me, I see. Everton, Johnny? F. Fail, okay. fail. If we're taking if we're taking Europe into it as well, that Europa League campaign was humiliating. Um, much of the season was humiliating. I know, you know, there's the gloss of the the eighth place finish, 
but really this so is it's a real problem. glossy there isn't it <laughs> well this is exactly you're right gab it's not glossy is it but some people might want to say it oh they're right that's great no it's not they thought they were going to make a serious move the dial this year be a serious challenger in some senses and it and it's it miles file <laughs> okay um i'll give them a d because things got a little better um but yeah it's still horrible Burnley, I think this one should be quick because I'm assuming we would all agree on this one, or maybe not. Um, Scully, hey, I think you've. Uh, I think it's, you can't really go of anything else, can you? I think to yep. finish seventh, I think it's fantastic okay. achievement. Uh, I'm going to go A as well, Johnny. They are my A. Yeah, yeah brilliant season. Arsenal, Scully, D. Okay, I might go further and go F because, I mean. <laughs> Actually, maybe I know. I'll go D as well because they were so far ahead of Burnley and in the end, and and they did go deep in the Europa League and whatever. But not good. Nah. F. F. D minus then. Try Arsenal. Yeah. yeah. Awful season. Chelsea. Yeah, the champions and then not qualified for the Champions League. I think that's a fail. And I think that will um, be interesting. In the next move now, Chelsea. They did win the FA Cup, and they did. <sighs> come close to against Barcelona I thought but hey um, so for those reasons I'm going to say D what you, you think a team that wins the league and the following season doesn't qualify for the Champions League you're just saying it's a bit subpar not a bit subpar they were substantially subpar well, but they, fail, won, then, isn't they it? won the FA Cup and uh, do you cover the FA Cup anymore stop it Johnny I'm with you Gab D FA Cup yeah redeemed themselves a little bit at the end did well in Europe ish and he had one shot in the final. <laughs> Just stop it. <laughs> Liverpool finished fourth. You're losing Champions League finalists. Scoey. C. <laughs> Johnny. Oh, B. They did get the Champions League final. I'd go B plus or something because I, I, I think. Yeah, how much something. money Liverpool have spent? They had. Uh, oh. Okay, listen. This is the, I, I see you've been reading Duncan Castle's tweet. I'll say, don't talk about spend, fella. Talk about net spend. Talk about wage bill. Talk about carious. Talk about injuries. Talk about Trent Alexander-Arnold. Talk about Nathaniel Klein. Talk about Coutinho leaving in mid-season. Let's talk about all that, okay? Before we just go and say, look how much I spent, okay? Let's talk about Nabi Keita not coming. Let's talk about Coutinho staying and not being happy about it. Let's talk about all these things if we're going to talk about it, okay? Well, and then, then, then let's talk about it then. No, that's let's not. Let's talk about spending seventy-five million pounds on a centre half, forty million pounds on a player that even you admitted to me won't be a, a huge success, and is very surprised how it's turned out for him at, at Liverpool. So that makes it bad. No, no, it's, it's bad. But it, it's a team that a spends money has a high wage bill. Has a high scrape- wage bill relative compared to who? Good, no, honestly, because um, when I look at the top six, right. I only see one team. I only know. I only wage bill in the league, so then finish fourth. They don't have the fourth highest. You think United, City, Chelsea, Liverpool? No, I think you'll find Arsenal's wage bill is higher than Liverpool's. Yes, Liverpool end up getting a B thanks to thanks to our interventions. They reached the freaking Champions League final. That thing that you watch on TV. Come on, goal kick with Teflon gloves on. Tottenham Hotspur, my man, Poch. Come on now. Come on, show some love, Scoey. They're above expectations. Johnny. Ah, uh, see, but that's a compliment. I expect them to be really good. They're you expect really them good. to finish third? Well, they finished second twice, didn't they? Um, I thought they were a really good season, but I expect that, I suppose, now. I'm going to go C so that we can end up giving them. Sorry, I'm going to go. Sorry, did I say C? No, I'm going to go. I'm going to go B so we can end up giving them a B minus. I did not expect them this season to finish third. Sorry. And I think they played some very good football as well. Manchester United, Johnny. D. Um, if we're taking in everything, set themselves up as a team after in trophies, didn't win one. Eight more points than last year, whatever, 14 more points, whatever it was, isn't enough to justify what they spent. So the tour season. Yeah, I'm going to go D as well. I, the, the, the fact that there's forward momentum in some ways, but then you talk to United fans. And they tell you the number of new players that they need. You talk to Mourinho, they dump in the number of new players they need. And kind of like, you're obviously not progressing at the speed that you would like to progress. 
And then there's Seville, which we won't get into. Scully. Let's see. This was your expectation for... They finished second, and I think, you know, if you look where they were two years ago, where they didn't even finish in the top four, there is progression being made, whether you like it or not, and you hate Manchester United. There is a small, <laughs> you with- a small, you know, I know it's A, B, anyone but United, but... Is that like I, I would say all? it's meeting expectation. Is it subpar? No. Above expectation? No. See. I expected them to be better. I expected them to be further along. I expected the players that he spent money on to have made further projects. I don't think he's happy with it. And I don't think he would give himself a C, personally. And because my god Mourinho doesn't give himself a C, then for that reason, I can't give him a C either. Manchester City. Scoey. B. Okay, I think I'll be in the minority here again. Uh, Johnny? Yeah, B, because we're taking Europe into it as well. Um, yeah, so they, they, they would have expected to beat Liverpool, wouldn't they, in, in that time? Um, and Wigan. Okay. I'm going to give yeah. them an A because of the way they won the Premier League. Obviously disappointing against Liverpool, but the football they play. And yes, they've got all, they spent all this money, they have a very high wage bill. They freaking set records. They broke records, okay, with that very high wage bill, and they played unbelievable football. So for for my money, I'm going to give them an A. But because you guys don't like them, um, they had a B plus. Top of the class, the stars of the show, straight A students. Well done, Sean Deitch, Burnley. You get an A, and this concludes our Premier League report cards for the 2017-18 season. That's all we've got time for today. Many, many, many thanks to my excellent guests, James Scowcroft and Jonathan Northcroft. Many, many thanks to our producer, Charlie, who uh, who makes it all happen. Uh, he's very good. Remember, if you want to read our newspaper, we're going to have some excellent World Cup coverage this summer. Just pay eight pounds and you get an eight-week trial. Not only do you get our excellent sports coverage, if you want something a little different, you also get the Sunday Times. Some of which, especially Johnny Northcroft's writing, uh, is very, very good. Now, we're going to be back next Thursday with a special World Cup preview podcast. I won't be presenting it. Do not be alarmed. I will still be there as a pundit. Somebody else will. Um, and please feel free to spend the next 10 days speculating on the identity of the next I mystery think host. You could be a presenter's worst nightmare. Why? Because you'll cut in, you'll butt in, you won't agree with the, the running of the show, the points being made. No, I disagree with that, and you'll just put It's kind of a pundit's job to disagree and to speak up. Anyway, thank you all. You've been a tremendous audience all year. Thank you for your support, and until uh, next time, bye-bye. The Game is brought to you by The Times. For more information and more podcasts from The Times, head to thetimes.co.uk. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.